Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is Thursday, June the 1st, 2023, new month, perhaps a new breeze of optimism, uh, an early summer optimism about the future of American democracy, all the Serious newspapers are covering a compromise um, in Congress on uh, the debt limit. Uh, New York Times talks about Schumer pushing to fix. Also, the Washington Post, um, the Wall Street Journal, which is more conservative, has a headline about the debt ceiling deal making it Kevin McCarthy 3, detractor 0, which might suggest democracy 3, anti-democracy 0. And the Financial Times concurs. One person who's given a lot of thought to the health, the broader health of American democracy, is my guest today, Sky Perriman. Uh, she is the president and CEO of a group called Democracy Forward, which was founded in the wake of the Trump election in 2016. Um, and she gave up a, what she describes as a, a legal dream job to fight for democracy, her Twitter page says, uh, asks in terms of what what we should be doing to save American democracy. She she writes, our kids will ask what we did. I'm not sure if she has children, and I'm not sure if her children will ask her what she did. But she is certainly joining us from Washington D.C. Sky, uh, congratulations on um, on your role at uh, Democracy Forward. Um, on Thursday, June 1, is there reason to be at least cautiously optimistic about American democracy? I know we're going to talk in much deeper uh, terms about the problems with American democracy, but are there some, some reasons to be cheerful on June 1? I think that what we've seen over the past um, uh, year is the American people, the majority of the American people starting to make their, you know, really making their voices heard. Um, we, we, of course, saw that in prior elections, but even with the midterm elections and others, you see um, uh, voter participation, you see people um, really understanding that we all have a role to play at this critical moment in um, participating in our democracy and pushing for a future that is better, that is not worse um, than what we have, but is better for um, future generations. And so the American people keep me optimistic. We we have the honor of representing a lot of communities here at Democracy Forward, and I know we'll talk about that. And so I would say that while there are a lot of threats and we need to be on high alert and um, incredibly vigilant, I think that what we know is that the majority of American people believe in the promise and potential of democracy, and it's really our work to make sure those voices are heard in all branches of government and in American life. Yeah, you note on democracy now that you believe democracy, uh, democracy is worth the fight. I don't think many people would disagree with that. You also suggest that we are at a pivotal point for American democracy. Um, you talk about all sorts of extremists around the country see, uh, seeking to undermine democracy. Where do you see the biggest threats at democracy now, at democracy forward to American democracy in the summer of 2023? What most concerns you? 
Well, there are a number of things. I'll highlight some of the most concerning ones. There's obviously this brand of anti-democratic extremism that we saw in many aspects of the Trump administration and on January 6th. And we've seen that brand of extremism seek to take hold in communities and states across the country, uh, banning books, uh, you know, uh, undermining education, banning health care, banning the ability of people to receive gender affirming care, um, undermining civil rights. So this is very concerning. I know we'll talk about that work. Um, the thing that's most concerning about that from a democracy perspective is that these extremist movements do not represent the majority of people, but it's really an outsized, uh, it's sort of a minority of folks with very loud voices, with outsized political power that are seeking to push the law in the United States in really regressive ways. Another deep concern, of course, that we see is um, the continued use by far-right actors of anti-democratic mechanisms such as voter suppression, whether that is trying to intimidate voters or pass legislation or other laws that suppress votes or failing to expand voter protection. I mean, so that's clearly something that is foundational to democracy that we need um, to be very vigilant about. And then the far right has another battleground that they are seizing in many ways, which is they're attempting to use our justice system and our court system, which is a system that is supposed to be protecting democratic institutions, that is supposed to protect those um, who have been underrepresented and may not have um, power. Uh, they're seeking to use that justice system to roll back a number of lawful, positive, policies for people in communities across the United States. And so we're really, that's also a very critical thing, um, is um, seeking to counter that far right movement, not only in our communities and states across the country, but also in the courts. Your, your position, of course, is, for better or worse, political. What is legitimate in, in your view when it comes to the issues you're talking about? And there's a headline today about DeSantis taking the gloves off in a huge fight he's going to have with Trump. Now, I'm personally not a big fan of either DeSantis or Trump. But on the other hand, they have every right to argue and they have every right to believe that certain policies, abortion, what should and shouldn't be taught in school, that doesn't, isn't that the core of democracy? What? What should they be allowed to do? What's the line for you when it comes to politicians like Trump and DeSantis? I will say, um, while many of these issues have been made to be political or polarizing, our organization is not a political one. Um, we do public education work and legal work across a range of issues. And our, you know, our value is we are unapologetically um, in favor of democracy. So what does that mean? Absolutely. People should be able to disagree and should be able to debate ideas. The American people should be able to consider all of those things and choose a course um, for um, the country. But when we have um, people that go further and undermine democratic institutions, undermine the ability of the right of people to vote, undermine basic civil rights that in a democracy every person is entitled to, whether they're in the majority or not, um, that is where we get into very dangerous territory. That is the kind of thing that you see um, in extremes on January 6th and in other efforts to deny even lawful elections. It is the type of movement that you see in communities moving you know, through the courts to suppress votes or um, 
to suppress civil rights. And to me, that is really the line. It's not a political line. It's a democracy line. And if we are a society that needs to be of and by and for the people, um, the rules of the game there is that we have to have democratic institutions that um, protect the rights of people and protect the ability of people to participate in um, public life and, 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 in, and in civic life. And that is what we're seeing under attack in generationally challenging ways. This is not the first time that democracy has been under attack in the United States, but this is a very concerning time when we have you know, major political movements seeking to deny elections, seeking to um, utilize democratic institutions in ways that actually move us backwards as opposed to propel us forwards. So I think if, I, if you were going to ask me a line, that's my line. It's the United States Constitution. It's, um, it's uh, the way it's, it's, it's democracy and it's making sure that our institutions are serving the people that they're meant to serve and not powerful small interests. Yeah, we've done a number of shows on that. We had Carol Anderson, yep. an old friend of mine on the show, talking about voter rights. But I wonder when it comes to something like abortion, we've done a number of shows also on the Supreme Court. I know you've sued to invalidate, you at Democracy Forward sued to invalidate West Virginia's medication abortion ban and restrictions. I don't want to turn this into a, another debate on abortion. But doesn't the Supreme Court, for better or worse, have the right to change the laws uh, when it comes to abortion. It might be unpalatable to people like you and I, but in what sense is that itself a challenge to democracy itself? Well, I think there's a, a few areas there. I mean, one is just to step back. What we know in the United States is that the majority of people, the vast majority of people, while they may have complex personal views about abortion, they, the vast majority of people see it very simply when you're talking about the government, which is that um, reproductive health care, issues of health care, including pregnancy termination and abortion, are personal decisions to be made between a person and their medical uh, providers and their communities and not um, a decision for politicians. And so I think we have to ground ourselves in that um, fact. We've seen that in, in many different ways. Polling has long suggested it, but we've seen that whenever these issues are on the ballot. But on these issues... By def for better or worse, again, they're, they're political. Everyone has a, an opinion on whether you should or shouldn't be allowed to have an abortion. Um, it, it, and the Supreme Court took a position. The Supreme Court is legitimate. Um, well, the, Supreme Court, the Supreme Court took a position in that over, I mean, the Supreme Court did a variety of things in the Dobbs decision, which is, I'm, I'm sure what you're talking about, what, what we've all been living in in the aftermath of Dobbs. One, um, it reversed decades worth of precedent um, that is highly concerning from a rule of law perspective. And I think the justices um, in dissent clearly outline that. But but, you know, that is that is one area in the Dobbs decision that we can examine and we can talk more about is in terms of sort of what they did with longstanding precedent, precedent that not only applies to abortion itself, but also applies to broader privacy interests um, that have long been recognized in this country. But beyond that, what the court's majority opinion in Dobbs purported to do was to return the issue of abortion to, quote, elected representatives. What we've seen in the aftermath of um of Dobbs is that that is not what um, the far right movement in this country wants. They actually don't want people to and their representatives to be able to consider these issues. We've seen this movement use the court in order to try to invalidate the FDA approval of uh, medication abortion, which is, of course, Congress and the FDA, um, uh, you know, um, a representative there. 
we have seen this movement seek to try to keep people from being able to vote on these issues. We've seen a number of things in the aftermath of Dobbs that suggest that the movement in the United States behind um, uh, sort of anti-abortion policy is not one that is based on ensuring that all people's rights are respected and that all people's voices are heard and people are able to participate in the democratic process. There have been a number of um, uh, investigative reports that have followed webs of money, a constellation of very far-right legal organizations that are not only engaging in anti-abortion and anti-healthcare movements, but have also engaged in anti-voting movements who have sought to prop up the, quote, big lie from 2020. So I think that, um, you know, there's a variety of things we can we can talk about there. But right, I, think- right. I, I take your point. Um, yeah, and, and I mean, again, we've done many shows on that, too. Um, Sky, when it comes to abortion, though, you're right, of course, that the majority of Americans are sympathetic for the right of a woman to have an abortion. But isn't this the sort of issue that will get played out probably in the next election? Biden may well run on it and he may well defeat um, DeSantis or Trump, whoever else the, the Republicans nominate. Um, what weren't the founders, didn't they recognize that that the nature of politics resulted in profound disagreement between factions and that they created a system which would resolve those conflicts or at least um, figure out winners and losers? Isn't the system working, perhaps even in terms of this current budget resolution? I would just say, look, there there are reasons, um, you know, that that's a very broad question. I think anytime we have... Um, we're still, you know, two to three years ago, we had a movement in the country seeking to overturn an election. We have folks seeking to use the courts to overturn the ability of people to vote, um, to hollow out things like the Voting Rights Act. And I know that you've covered that a lot on your shows, but I bring that up to say that I think, you know, democracy is only as strong as the people and the fight um, that, that folks have in them to, to ensure that we're making these institutions work for people. And so I think it is highly concerning when you see um, far-right interests seeking to misuse our justice system, seeking to misuse the political system for their own ends, as opposed to really advancing um, broader democratic institutions and principles. So that's, I mean, you know, we can talk about how these things- Do you see the Republican Party itself as a threat to democracy? You know, I, I think that any movement that has as part of its platform and building in its platform um, policies that discourage people from voting, policies that do not recognize the equal dignity of all people in a democracy is an anti-democratic movement and is really concerning. So you, so that's a yes. You know, I, I don't, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm here in a 501c3 capacity. I want to be really clear about um, mm. like my ability. You know, we are not. I mean, my concern on this is we yeah. get the same arguments from the right. I just got a newsletter, a news release about a conservative pack launching to fact check left wing lies and deception. You'll find amongst conservatives the same accusations against the left. Do we need uh, to figure out a way to get beyond this finger pointing or... Is the finger pointing perhaps on the left more legitimate than the finger pointing on the right? I don't think what I'm talking, there's certainly finger pointing everywhere. But what I'm talking about is not finger pointing. It is the basic principles of democracy in this country. And people have a right to call out 
the fact that when you have political movements that are trying to prevent kids in schools from being able to read books, when we've got a law in Arkansas that has been signed that seeks to to place criminal penalties on librarians, similar, by the way, to laws that place criminal penalties on doctors um, for doing their jobs. These are this is not about finger pointing. It is not about what side, you know, yeah, you know, it's not about that. This is about a broader promise of democracy that our constitution promises, that our founders promise, that the country has always been working to achieve, and where um, we are seeing movements that are really seeking to be antithetical to those basic foundational principles. So I believe this is beyond. Yeah, another area you've been working on at Democracy Forward, a book bans. Uh, I know you've you've worked on a, the book ban in a Central York school in Pennsylvania. What's happening in the schools? It's a huge issue. DeSantis, of course, seems to be gambling uh, his political future on, on this issue. How extensive is it, Sky? Um, it's, it's quite extensive, and it's not actually an organic movement that, um, you know, if you look at some of the coverage, you might think that there are just organic groups of parents that are very concerned about what their kids are reading in school and are taking action in order to sort of encourage um, censorship or other types of restrictions on the freedom to read. That is actually not what is happening. There are um, special interest groups such as Moms for Liberty and others that have organized in order to make um, in order to push a narrow sort of censorship agenda, an agenda that seeks to erase history and an agenda that has shut down classroom libraries. We see this popping up in local communities, in states like Texas, where I grew up, in places like Florida, in Pennsylvania, in Arkansas. We see it in some state um, legislation um, in states like Florida and Texas and Arkansas and local communities in, in those states as well as other states. And um, it's a prevalent concern but it is not being driven by sort of a majority of parents. What we know we work and represent parents and teachers is that this is highly destructive to both the quality of education that kids are receiving. It is destructive to teachers. Um, we hosted a briefing on Capitol Hill in December where um, some teachers representatives suggested that censorship and the pressure around that is one of the major things to attribute to the current teacher shortages. Um, we're representing teachers in Florida in, in some of these fights that have just been really burdened by um, these censorship agendas. And so this is a prevalent and very concerning thing. And what we know about democracies, not just in the United States, but across the world, what we know is that when there are efforts to suppress ideas, to suppress um, this sort of marketplace of um, um, ideas, that, that usually comes with broader attacks on democracy, which is what we're seeing in the United States, which attempts with misinformation to rewrite history, to erase history, um, to retell a history in ways that um, is not accurate and that seeks to erase the existence and the experience of many communities in this country and throughout the world. And so we're on the front lines with so many folks, um, authors, publishers, librarians, teachers, parents, um, students fighting these fights in local communities and in states uh, throughout the country. And um, I'm really I'm glad that you ask about this because I think, you know, it is one of those types of extremism that we talked about in the first question that's a true threat to um to to our country and to democracy the global element of this of course is obvious we did a show earlier this week actually yesterday with my old friend solia zell from uh, one of turkey's leading political thinkers on uh, erdogan's uh, return to political power we have orban in hungary we have oh. 
Bolsonaro in, 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 in Brazil and so on and so forth. How unique do you think the crisis of democracy, the crisis that, um, that you're dedicating your career to, how unique is it to America? Is America in a similar situation to Hungary and Turkey and India and the Philippines and Brazil and perhaps even Russia and China? Yeah, I mean, I was in Athens last week and um, uh, in Greece um, with an international convening around democracy and the threats to democracy and the challenges and the opportunities today. Um, the thing that's concerning about the fight for democracy and where we are in the United States today is that this is a country that is supposed to be a blueprint for um, how countries can govern can be sure that people have a voice in their government, can respect the rights of all people, can create equal opportunities and the ability of people to thrive. Um, and what we see in the United States is a real attack on those um, institutions. And that is, it's highly concerning throughout the world. And there are different scenarios in different countries. Um, but one of the things that's particularly unique, I think, about the fight for democracy in the United States is that this is a country that has seen itself as um, and, and wants to be a sort of leader in the way um, democracies function. And, and what we're seeing actually is a movement that is seeking to set it back, is that it's seeking to abandon the United States' um, leadership and values-based leadership on these um, areas and instead engaging in practices that um, have had no place in democracy uh, for in American democracy for some years. And so um, I do wanna say that um, in, you know, American democracy has always been imperfect and it's always been um, uh, a union that was trying to become more perfect. There are, you know, vast humane injustices present past, you know, present in the past and in the present. But um, what most of the time public servants had been able to agree on is that we wanted to be moving forward as a country out of those ways and towards the future. And what we have now is a movement that has gained outsized political power that really doesn't want to move democratic institutions forward, civil rights institutions forward. And that's concerning. Um, but I do think that it's great for you to put this in a global context because this fight that is occurring in the United States um, is, is also you know, taking different forms um, throughout the globe. And in many instances, I think we have to you know, really be honest in the US about the types of things that we need to be doing to innovate the way we govern, to make a more democratic and just world, to continue to be one of the blueprints as opposed to one of the cautionary tales. Lots of headlines, of course, today about you know who. This time he's discussing uh, Iran, a sensitive Iranian document uh, from the Washington Post. There seems to be something very open, unambiguous about Trump's now hostility to democratic norms and institutions. He's not shy. Uh, he doesn't couch it in any, um, in any sort of polite terms. He seems almost openly, uh, boastfully hostile to many American institutions and democratic norms. And yet he remains enormously successful within or popular within uh, the Republican Party, particularly in, in some ways amongst working class white people in the heartland of America. Why is that, Sky? Have people lost faith in, in democracy? Might they be thinking to themselves, what this, what's this system ever done for me recently? Why should I care about the law courts? Why should I care about book bans or education? Because our lives are becoming more and more miserable. You know, that's what we see. First of all, I, I, I think um, 
that anti-democratic interests seek to, to look like they're more popular than they are. We have seen um, we have seen the American people reject this anti-democracy agenda um, many times and any time that they're able to vote and um, be recognized. And so, um, I, you know, I don't pretend to know exactly how everyone's polling at all times, but what we know is that the American, the vast majority of people do um, uh, do believe in the potential and promise of democracy and that do see movements and policies like the ones that president uh, when, when trump was president implemented as contrary to that um so that that's you know, on the one hand i think the second thing is um what we see in our work every day is um people in this country standing up for their values trying to find ways to get involved in their school boards trying to find ways to get involved in their communities We've seen a number of people that never thought of themselves as, as, as advocates for healthcare um, be taking steps in this post Dobbs era to try to um, create a better world for, for their communities and, and their families. And so um, that, you know, I started with that sort of what makes me optimistic is the American people. And I think that we see that. Um, one of the main threats that we see to democracy is um, uh, people losing hope or thinking that there's nothing that they can do in this time or that these forces are so big that they can't possibly counter them. Yeah, that's the despair so, that and so I think that's like Angus being on the show talk about. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's great that you host these conversations because, um, you know, that is what we know is that um, the way democracies fall um, you know, it, it's always that people sort of, as they realize what is happening um, it, and start using their voices, it, it's too late. And what we have in the United States is it's not too late, but we do need everybody part of this fight. You don't have to be a lawyer. You don't have to be a podcast host. You don't have to be um, a politician. There are so many things that people can do. And so that's really where we focus. We focus on seeking to provide people and communities, you know, folks in everyday life, whether they're veterans or workers, um, you know, journalists, parents, students, teachers, all of the above with the tools that they need to navigate um, the legal system and to navigate some of these um, democratic institutions where it's a really important that their voices be heard. Yeah, let's end, Sky, with a little bit more about Democracy Forward. You talk about your, and I'm quoting from your website, your three pillars to advance, and I'm quoting again, a bold, vibrant democracy for all people, dis defend, disrupt, and build. Are you, I mean, you are a lawyer. Are you mostly a legal organization? Is that most of the work you're doing? Our, our principal tool is the law, and then we use that tool um, to communicate and educate the public as well. So we have lots of incredibly talented lawyers on our staff. We've got an incredibly talented communications and policy and operations team as well. And um, what we believe is that democracy depends on a government that works for all people, and that has to be the work. And so we seek to um, bring the voices of people and communities into the courts um, to make sure that positive policies that are lawful and that, that, that help move our democracy forward um, are supported and defended in the courts against these right wing movements that are seeking to use the courts to set them back. We use the law as a sword 
um, to challenge bad activities, such as people that are seeking to ban books or criminalize librarians, folks seeking to ban healthcare, um, across any number of range of issues, um, engaging in anti-democratic activity. So that's using the law um, as a way of challenging. We challenge the Trump administration um, on substantive cases more than 100 times. We are responsible for the reversals of so many unlawful and problematic policies that undermine science and evidence and um, that undermine the you know people's economic stability um, that were unlawful or non-transparent. And so we did that in the Trump administration and we're now really focused on um, challenging that extremism at the state and local level. And then we build for the future, which is making sure that we're always keeping an eye, notwithstanding the, um, the incredible needs of today, we have to be building a more robust future, getting more partners involved in um, being in part of this fight um, for democracy at the time, thinking about the long um, road. There's so been so much discussion about protecting democracy and securing democracy and defending democracy. And that's incredibly important. But as we've talked about on this show with you today, I mean, this has been an imperfect um, union from the beginning and we're always seeking to make it more perfect. And so a lot of our work is also focused on how we can use the law in ways to build for a more vibrant and inclusive future, a more democratic future where everyone is represented. And so that's that build piece. And Is there a threat? Do you see any threats to democracy from the left, Sky? Um, you know, I think that um, I think that the current situation that we're in is one where you can see lots of threats to democratic institutions. I mean, I don't use sort of these broader labels that you're using, but I think when people become so dismayed with their government, or well, you have talked about these extreme right wing right. threats. So, so I'm saying the sort of when people become more um, dismayed with, um, for instance, like. Um, institutions. We have a number of folks that are very concerned about, um, you know, the court system and whether they're represented in it and what are what legitimacy these systems have. That, that's, you know, that is something that has to be addressed. And that's why it is in, imperative that um, all people, I mean, I don't, you know, whatever label you want to ascribe, all people um, you know, really mobilize in order to make sure that our institutions are um, working um, to advance democratic values and to advance um, people and communities. So that's, um, you know, I think to me, that's that's what we've got to work for. And that's what everyone's got to work for. I, you know, I think that there is a particular movement afoot throughout the world that's very anti-democracy. We can put that, you know, call that however you want. Um, but I also think that it's really incumbent upon everyone to, to get part of this fight. Well, let's end with those everyone you talked about. I mentioned at the beginning, uh, you're in your Twitter handle, you ask, uh, our kids will ask us what we did. Not everyone can be Sky Perryman. Not everyone has the, the legal skills. But what can ordinary people do, Sky? I mean, obviously, they can support or get involved with democracy forward. But what can, are you really, it seems to me that you're suggesting that people simply need to participate in politics, show up to their local school board or council or Anything political is a good thing. Is that fair? I don't, I mean, you know, you use this word politics, but I think civic engagement is really important. But I also think people, 
examining their own lives. We see people taking stands for values and for democracy every day. You saw people that were bystanders at the Capitol on January 6th doing what they could to seek to protect democracy. I believe the way we raise our children, the way we participate in our communities, um, you know, writing letters to the editor, reading the news and becoming informed, things like tuning into your show, seeking to understand. Yeah, everyone should tune in to well, my show. So well, that's the, the best way to say democracy. I mean, but understanding what's real and what's not real and really being, um, in, you know, taking personal responsibility for the information that we take in and for, um, you know, trying to provide good information to people. All of these things are incredibly important and they don't, they don't require that everybody be engaged full time in legal work or in policy work or in you've been calling political work or journalistic work. But there are things that we all need to be doing. And I, and I get a lot of, um, we get a lot of hope here because we see, um, we see citizens doing that. Um, but I think that in this time, it's incredibly important and to not, not, you know, everybody can vote, everybody can register people to vote, everybody can help drive folks. Um, and I think driving that civic participation and understanding that we all have a role to play, regardless of our station, we have a role to play in this fight is critically important. It is that that will um, protect and advance democracy. And when people lose hope or think that there's nothing that they can do, I think um, that's when we really see um, that that that's that's really what anti-democratic forces want want people to believe.